Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Kamakura, Japan with my new friend Corinne Vale from Reflections en Route. Corinne is a teacher for the U.S. government, which has provided her the opportunity to travel the world. She loves the relaxed pace of Kamakura and how close it is to the big city of Tokyo. We'll learn the best time of year to visit to see the cherry blossoms and how you can go inside the big Buddha in Tabutsu. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Kamakura. Let's start the show. This episode is sponsored in part by the Dosh Cashback app. You know how much I love using miles and points when I travel, but using rewards isn't always an option due to blackout dates or when the whole hotel requires just way too many points for our stay. That's why I've been loving Dosh's new hotel booking functionality. Their rates are extremely competitive, and there are over 600,000 hotels to choose from around the world. Best of all, you can earn up to 20% cash back per night. That's cold hard cash in your pocket that you can use for anything. With all the travel I do, I've quickly earned a significant amount of money which I'm using to pay down our mortgage and save for our future. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash dosh to download the Dosh Cashback app today and start booking your hotels. Plus, you can get cash back at thousands of merchants that they partner with. Use the promo code TIMMY for a little something extra when you open up your free account. Hey, Corinne, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, you and I, we met through a group called TBEX, which is a travel bloggers exchange group. It's a travel conference. When I heard your story, I definitely wanted to have you on the site and talk about Kamakura, Japan. Well, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, traveling. It's my gig. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, how you ended up in Kamakura? I sure can. So I've been traveling the world with the U.S. government for the last 20 years. And I'm a teacher, so I teach math to middle school students. I've done that now in six different countries. That's really cool. So uh, before we start recording, you told me that you're looking forward to retirement. I am, June. I will hang up my hat for teaching and traveling full-time from then on. That's uh, really awesome. That's kind of a dream for a lot of people. It is. You know, a lot of times they say, don't wait till retirement. But let me tell you, I like the paycheck too. (laughs) It's tough uh, to give up that paycheck. Uh, Absolutely. So you're obviously planning to retire. And I know you said your husband's still going to be working for a little bit longer. When both of you retire, are you planning to stay in Kamakura or are you looking to come back to the States or go someplace else? We have two grown daughters that live in Washington and California. So we'll be back in the States often. However, no, we don't plan on having a house anywhere. In fact, we are going to start traveling around the world probably about three months after he retires next year, and we'll start in South America for a year. That sounds like a lot of fun. How long have you been in Kamakura? We've only been here since August, but this is the second time we've lived in Japan. The first time we lived in northern Honshu. Honshu is the main island of Japan, and we lived at the very, very top of it. And now we're kind of down in the middle called the Kanto Plain, and it's Tokyo and Yokohama, and it's, you know, it's all that pop hipster culture. It's a lot of fun. Right on. And so for the people that aren't really familiar with Kamakura, where is it in relation to Tokyo? It is a one-hour train ride south of just about anywhere in Tokyo, and it's just a small city. It used to be the old capital, one of the old capitals of Japan. So it's very traditional. The city ordinances make sure there's no tall buildings, and it's just sort of a peaceful respite from the metropolis that is Tokyo. Oh, sure. From when I was looking at the map, it's located right on the beach, or is it just set aside from it a little bit? It is right on the beach. We have a surfing beach, and we have surfers all year long, regardless of weather. Nice. So you've been there for about a year now. If you could describe the people or the 
the city in like one or two words, how would you describe them? Well, two words is perfect because like I said, it's very traditional. We have temples. That's what people come here to see. It's got this feeling of old Japan. On the other hand, with those surfers brings that whole young crowd, very sort of, you know, we've got like the old traditional and the very young hipster, you know, go out and surf literally from five o'clock in the morning till two o'clock in the morning the next day. (laughs) There are surfers here all the time. So it's kind of a, you know, a dichotomous vibe and it's really, really cool. It's fun to be here. No, it sounds great. Where basically like the old school and the new school can coexist, you know, so peacefully together. Exactly. All right. So when people are coming to Kamakura, do they fly directly into the city or do they fly into Tokyo and take the train down? What's the best way to get there? Yeah, we don't have our own airport. We're not that big. We are serviced by the two airports in Tokyo, Haneda and Narita. And just about every airline that you can imagine flies into one of those two airports. And again, we're just a train ride away from Haneda. We're even closer. It's only about, you know, 40 minutes, whereas Narita, it's a little bit further away, almost two hours. Because as I said, Tokyo is a huge metropolis. But it's easy to get here. Basically, you get on one train and you sit on it until you get to the stop in Kamakura. It's that simple. We take the train to the airport when we leave. Okay, so... How much would you say it costs if somebody's going to take the train from uh, Tokyo to Kamakura? Well, there's two ways you can do it. They have express trains, which, of course, are double the cost. So those run you about $40. But any other time, if you're just coming down for the day, it costs about, I would say, $18 round trip. Well, that's pretty good. All right. So obviously, now we flew into Tokyo. We took the train down. When we're in the city, is a place where we need a car? Can we just use public transportation? What's the best way to get around? Walking. It's a beautiful, small town. I live three minutes from the beach and four minutes from the center of town. It kind of gives you a perspective on how close everything is. It's In the States, we would call that blocks. It's probably only eight blocks from the beach to the center of town. Everybody walks it all the time. Constantly see people going in between the two. And of course, the center of town is where most of the sites are. Kamakura is known for its temples because of its samurai heritage. And so there are temples that are a little bit higher into the hills around the city as well. So there are some good little walking paths and hikes that you can take, but they're not long hikes. So walking is my number one way to get around. We do have a great public bus system as well. And that will take you to all the different temples or One of the other new favorite things that the Japanese are starting to do is they rent bikes pretty much everywhere you go. And so with that bike, you can get all the way from one end of Kamakura to the other in no time flat. So there's a lot of different ways to do it. But really, walking is cheapest, easiest, and it's beautiful. So you'd love it. Nice. All right. So we're walking around the town. What's the weather like when people visit? Well, I would say the best time of year to come would be spring or fall. Temperatures in Japan, they don't vary that widely. The middle of winter is also pretty nice. I don't think it got below 30 degrees this year. I mean, we had a little bit of a few flakes of snow one day, and that was about it. So it's pretty temperate in the winter. And the spring and fall, the shoulder seasons are beautiful, just stunning, perfect weather about, I would say, between 60 and 70. Really great. And then you get to summer. And Even though that's, of course, the highest tourist season in just about anywhere, it is probably the most miserable in Kamakura (laughs) because 
Japan has a very humid weather, and it's one of those things where you stand outside for, you know, 30 seconds and you're drenched. So if you like humidity, you're fine. If you don't mind it, I mean, we do have a beach, so you can dip in the water, cool off. But it's probably not the time I would recommend to come. But other than that, pretty much other than July and August, the rest of the year, I think is gorgeous. All right. And I, I think probably one of the better times to visit is around uh, the time that we're recording, right? In like the April, May time frame, because that's when all the, the cherry blossoms bloom. Uh, the cherry blossoms come here at the end of March to mid-April, sometime okay. during that time frame. And you're absolutely correct. It's the perfect time to be here. Because, again, with all the temples and sort of the peaceful greenery idea that Kamakura is, we have cherry blossoms everywhere. And it is really, really pretty. And the same thing with the fall as well. So there's lots of trees and foliage. So, like I said, spring and fall. And I think that's true in all of Japan, to be honest. So (laughs) it's just the time to come. It's beautiful. Sure. So are there other types of festivals that, that occur in town? Uh, my favorite festival is called the Yabusame Festival, and it dates back 800 years to the samurai time. And what it is, it's an archery festival, and the archers are dressed in samurai clothing, and they ride horses. And as they're riding these horses at breakneck speeds, they're shooting arrows into a target, three arrows in succession. And it is fascinating. It is really cool. For me, they do it twice a year. They do it in April, and they also do it in September. And you can check the website for the town. It always has, you know, when it's coming up. It's just amazing. It's just amazing to see that. That is some serious skill. I mean, one, I couldn't ride a horse going that fast myself. And on top of that, then shooting an arrow and actually shooting three arrows at the same time instead of Instead of one, oh my God, that, <laughs> that is it's, amazing. It's pretty amazing. And it's it's one of the most traditional festivals that I've been to as well. It's pretty cool. Right on. Yeah. So we'll have uh, links to all that in the, in the show notes for people that are listening. Okay. So we got the beach. We have a uh, couple of different festivals. And we talked about a little bit about the temples and shrines around the city. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about those? The temples and shrines. Sure. We have a huge temple, a huge shrine right in the center of town. And really, that's sort of the the center of all the temples. There's plenty of temples and shrines, but that one is the one where there's always something going on. So when you talk about festivals, they have something at least once a month, but more likely twice a month. It's really interesting in Japan. When a shrine or a temple has anything going on, they bring in all these food vendors, and it's such a a party atmosphere, so to speak. I mean, they're not drinking, not that kind of party, but just that happy-go-lucky, everybody comes out and they want to try all the foods and it's a very social time. And you get to try things like candy grapes or some other street foods like fried cheese or the Japanese pancakes, okonomiyaki. There's all kinds of street foods. Like I said, it's a real festival atmosphere. One of the best times to experience that, too, is New Year's. So I would say New Year's is a great time to come here as well because you get to try the new sake. There's temple blessings. You can hike around and collect little gods as you go to the different temples. Just really fun, different, very Japanese kinds of experiences. Something that you would never get, you know, in the States. 
That sounds wonderful. And like you said, uh, because it's the, more of that small town feel, you're not getting as much of the hustle and bustle as you are in Tokyo. You definitely are not. Although I have to say, New Year's Day, you're going to see some crowds. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, it really depends on what's going on. And even during the Yabusame, the archery, it's a festival where you're drawing some people, but it's not anything like it would be if it was at one of the main temples in Tokyo. So, yeah. Oh, You're sure. gonna, you get to breathe a little bit more here, which I, which <laughs> I really enjoy. Sure. Okay. So say, you know, somebody that's, uh, this listening is planning a trip to Tokyo. Uh, maybe they're going to be in the country for like a week or so. How many days should they shave off of their trip to come down to Kamakura and be able to see everything they want to be able to see? Minimum of one day. If they can afford two days in their schedule, two days would be perfect. Okay. Because we have, as part of Kamakura, this little, it's not really its own town, but it's kind of a town in Oshima. And there's a special little train that goes to Inoshima called the Anoden, which, by the way, is an Instagram sensation. The Japanese love their Anoden train. It's a little electric train. And to me, it's not that photogenic, but apparently they find it very photogenic. And people line up on the beach to take pictures of it. So you take the Anoden to Inoshima. We're talking 15 minutes here. That's how close it is. And that's another beach town. It's a little island, and there's a spa out there, and there's a lighthouse, which is a very decorative sort of lighthouse, and they call it the sea candle. Isn't that poetic? The that sea candle. That's really cool. <laughs> and they light it up, and they have all these beautiful sort of lights that make it really pretty. It's just gorgeous. And they have some temples to walk around on the island, and there's some caves out there. And then it's also a surfing town. And in fact, during the Olympics, they're going to have the sailing competition there. Oh. And the restaurants are very, again, they're very young and hipstery. And they have like the Japanese fluffy pancakes. And <laughs> it's just another piece of Kamakura that you could do. But you wouldn't want to do it in just one day. That would take you two days to do everything in Kamakura as well as Enoshima. But if you just came to Kamakura, the one main draw, the thing people come the most for is the big Buddha, the Daibutsu. And the big Buddha sits in this temple, and it's been here for years and years. In fact, they've moved it eight times due to fires and other disasters. You come into this temple, the Hokoji Temple. It costs 200 yen to get in. It's ridiculously inexpensive. And here's this big Buddha. It'll take your breath away. It's pretty interesting. And what's even more cool is that you can pay, if you want to, an extra 20 yen, which, by the way, is 20 cents, not even 20 cents. And you can go inside the Buddha. And it said you can see little offerings where people have stuck their uh, coins for offerings to bring even more luck because they're inside the Buddha. And even if you just rub the Buddha's belly on the inside, it's supposed to bring you luck. So it's a very cool place. And that's the one major draw. That everybody does when they come to Kamakura, even though there's plenty more to do. We have a money-washing temple where you bring your coins. And it used to be everything was coin, right? Uh But now they have bills as well. But they don't wash their bills. They only wash their coin. And, of course, that's supposed to bring you fortune throughout the year as well. So we have a lot of really cool little things to do. And see, we have our own little bamboo forest. If you know anything about traveling to Japan... There's a bamboo forest in Kyoto that everybody wants to go to. But here we have our own little bamboo forest at one of the temples. It is very peaceful, unless there's a crowded day. (laughs) And what's really nice about it is they have a traditional tea 
cafe and the cafe is sort of oval shaped and it looks out into the forest. So everybody is facing out towards the view, of course. And you have these three ladies in the back and this is where they just stir and stir and froth up that traditional matcha green tea, which is, is kind of bitter and not necessarily to a lot of people's liking the real traditional green tea. I personally love it. So they're back there, they froth it up, they bring it to you, and you have this, as the one Japanese man standing next to me with some American visitors, he was explaining to them, and now you are quiet and you enjoy. Because that's the Japanese Zen of it all, isn't it? Where you just, you have your green tea, and you see the light filtering through the trees, and you just enjoy the moment. I'm feeling pretty zen right now, just listening to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a great little place. We just have all these little gems in this town. It's it's really worthwhile to take that train ride. So what I, what I think we will, should probably do is you're in Tokyo. You, you do whatever you're going to do for a couple of days. Take the train first thing in the morning. Go out to Kamakura. Spend the rest of the day. Spend the night. And then spend you know maybe half the day or, or a little bit more exploring everything. And then head back to Tokyo like the next evening. So that way you exactly. get all, almost like a full two days worth of exploring Kamakura and uh, is it Onishima? Onishima, yeah. Onishima, yeah, yeah. That'd be a really cool diversion from the big city to go check out everything there in Kamakura. So one thing I don't want to miss, you know, I know that there's some really delicious food in Japan and I don't want to miss out on talking about some of those items. So obviously sushi is a big thing. What are some of the other things that, that are really popular as far as food goes in, in uh, Kamakura in Japan? Oh, there's so much. So to begin with, we have a shopping street, which most people love to go down. It's right in the center of town, right next to the train station. And as you're going down the, the street, there are tons of little food vendors that will sell everything from little cakes that are filled with, you know, either red bean paste or other types of fillings. There's mochi on sticks. There's savory little pies, everything you can imagine. There's even the big cotton candies and, you know, more touristy type items as well. So you could just walk down that street and try all, all of the foods that way and enjoy yourself. Or you could go to one of our many, many restaurants Kamakura is actually known for white fish, which is a bait. It's a, a young fish, right? And so they'll even put it on things like pizza. I'm not a big fan. Maybe my American palate doesn't really <laughs> appreciate the white fish. It doesn't have much of a taste, but, you know, it's it's a pile of fish on a pizza. For me, it's, it's not that appealing. It does make for pretty pictures, however. And other people have tried it, and they like it. And, we, and you can even have the white fish in soap and dishes noodle dishes and other things as well. So a lot of Japanese will come and they'll have the white fish. And if you're adventurous, I would say you would have to try that at one of, and there's many different places to try it. But they also have other traditional Japanese food. Like I've mentioned already, they have soba and they have tempura and they have yakiniku, which is barbecue meat. And they have even more what they call westernized Japanese food, like uh, omo rice. And that's one of my favorite dishes. And that is a rice dish that has an omelet sort of encasing it and a sauce on top of it. And it's it's supposed to be westernized. I don't know why they think it's western, because we don't have anything like that anywhere that I've ever been other than Japan. <laughs> but it's an interesting dish. And it's pretty good. So they have that. 
And of course, they have some of the other things, like I mentioned, the fluffy pancakes and things like that. You can't go wrong in Kamakura. There's food everywhere. One of the main temples is called the Hasadera Temple. And right outside of that temple is one of my favorite little restaurants called Sumitado. It's a very traditional looking restaurant where you have a choice of sitting at tables or sitting on the floor in the tatami mats. And you get to cook your Japanese, quote unquote, they call it pancake, but I don't think that's a very, it's not a pancake at all. It's mostly egg and vegetables and some fish cake. And and the ingredients maybe don't sound that appealing, but it's oh so delicious. And the lady will come and she will teach you how to make it and kind of hover over you and help you when you need to help and laugh at your mistakes with you. And it's just <laughs> such a great experience. It's something everybody should try just because, you know, it's it's like being in your mom's kitchen and she's kind of giving you a little bit of a, a hard time, but at the same time, making sure that you're going to have the best product and you're going to enjoy your food. So it, it, it's very, very homey and, and it's really a great experience. So that's a good place to go. Yeah. I, I'm not too adventurous with food sometimes. That's probably an understatement. But I think just <laughs> just that experience, I think, would be really cool. And I would, I think I would probably just pay just to have the experience. That sounds really yeah, fun. And, and it really, I mean, like I said, the ingredients don't sound, again, they don't sound very appetizing, perhaps. But surprisingly, they come together well. And they are really tasty. It, it wasn't something I liked the first time I had it. But then after that, I don't know whether it's being in Japan longer or, <laughs> or just the appreciation for, like you said, the experience. Whatever it is, I go back time and time again and I bring people there every chance I get because I just think it's just so unique and so Japanese. I totally agree. I haven't been there yet, but uh, I think when I come out to Japan, I'm going to have to make a little detour and come out and, and check out your town. Absolutely. Corinne has a lot of different other items here on, on the list that she's provided me, but we just, we're just we running out of time. So we're going to have all of it in the show notes so that way people who are interested in Kamakura and learning about the culture and the, and the food and the, the experiences Go to the show notes and you'll be able to see everything about it. Uh, but now it's time for the final countdown. So, Karina, if somebody only had time for one meal in Kamakura, where should they go and what should they eat? Well, you mentioned it before. There's sushi here. We live on the beach. <laughs> it's the freshest sushi you'll ever have. It's delicious. And our little sushi restaurant here, that Todomichi, is so perfect because not only do they have the traditional sushi offerings, but they have specials like they'll have a little pot with a burner in it where you can cook your scallops or your oysters. Oh, delicious. Nice. I know my wife would love to have the sushi. Everywhere we go, she wants sushi. And so she's definitely going to want to make a detour to get that fresh sushi from, uh, from Kamakura. So you've lived there for about a year now. Uh, I'm sure you have some pretty cool stories already. What's one of your most memorable? Oh, there's so many things that are wonderful here because the people are so welcoming. But I have to say, one thing I haven't said yet is that from our beach, you have a beautiful view of Fuji many times through the year. Not all year long because it depends on the clouds and everything. But when Fuji is out and the sun is setting, that's just perfect. So many times, like I said, it's only a few minutes walk for us. We'll be down at the beach and we'll be enjoying our Fuji sunset. That's what I'll always think of when I think of Kamakura. Well, yeah, it just sounds so pretty. You got obviously you got the waves crashing, uh, you got the sand in your toes, and you're just looking at this amazing mountain with the sunset, golden, orange, yellows. I mean, it's it's yeah, <laughs> breathtaking. It is. <laughs> that is gorgeous. So a lot of fun things happen in in, in the town in Japan and everything. Uh, where's the happiest happy hour? Well, as I mentioned on our shopping street, 
One of the things that's nice about the street is there's a couple of different dog legs that come off of it. And one of them is like pub row almost. And in Japan, everything's tiny, right? You don't, you normally don't have these huge bars and sports bars and things like that. If they're these tiny little rooms that are maybe 10 feet by 10 feet and they've got a bar taking up three fourths of the room, just enough room for a few stools around the bar. And everybody, you know, you just walk down and you have a beer and you talk to everyone that's there. It's sort of kind of a mini version of maybe a pub in England. You have a few regulars. For the most part, it's just new people and everybody's friendly and wants to find out where you're from and, and talk to you. So that's an experience that you could have really all the time that would just never get old. No, that sounds great. I mean, I think it's, you know, sometimes you go to bars and it just, it's so loud and you're trying to talk to somebody and you're like almost like yelling in their face. And, <laughs> you know, and right. I, I, I like those more intimate situations where you can actually have a conversation with it, meet somebody cool. And you know, learn something from the locals, just like、uh, like I do here with the with the podcast. Exactly, that's why I love it. So, okay, cool. Well, one of the things I always do whenever I travel around is get pepperoni pizza.、Uh, I know you talked about the whitefish pizza, but where's the best <laughs> place to get pizza in town? Well, we have lots of good pizza places because the Japanese really love their pizza as well. So they have a lot of、um, wood ovens or brick ovens. Our favorite one is called Loteria BB, and The Japanese, they have this tradition that if they're going to do something, they want to be the best at it. And many times before they open up a pizzeria or an Italian restaurant, they will have spent at least months, if not years, in Italy learning their craft. So they're very traditional and very delicious. And although they don't really probably have a lot of pepperoni, in fact, I don't think I've ever seen pepperoni on the menu <laughs>、yeah. anywhere in Japan. I have seen lots of interesting toppings. So, if you're, you can be adventurous and try some of the more Japanese items. Or they have the margarita and they have mushrooms and they have four cheese. So, all of those things that we're used to eating. And I have to admit, they have great pizza. So, it is well worth your time to have a pizza occasionally in Kamakura. Nice. What do you normally get on it? I usually get the margarita because they have, the, this place especially, they make their own mozzarella cheese. It's delicious. It's fresh. That sounds great. Anytime you can get fresh pizza, and especially if people have really kind of taken their time and, and gone there and learned from the more traditional places in, in Italy, you know that they really love it and they're really going to care for it and they're going to put all their heart and soul into the food. Exactly. That's what I love. Yeah, me too. Even if there's no pepperoni. So, <laughs> all right. Well, cool. Again, Corinne, thank you for being on the show. I've learned a lot about Kamakura. I definitely think whenever I come out to Japan, I'm going to make a detour to come check it out. Can you tell people a little bit about who you are and how they can reach you? Well, sure. I'm a teacher, but what I really want to do and put more of my heart and soul into is my two blogs. I have a blog called Reflections en Route, which is about world travel, everything that I've learned traveling all around to all these countries for the last 20 years. And also, I have one that's more North America based that's called Roving Veils. So, those are my two loves. Perfect. So, if somebody wanted to reach out to you, should they hit you up on Twitter? Where should they go? I'm on everything. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook,、uh, usually under the handle Reflections en Route because that was our first blog. Other than that, it would be under my name as well. Okay.、Cool. Pinterest, we're big on Pinterest. Oh, yeah. Pinterest, it's such a great place to go to get inspiration for travels. Exactly. Beautiful pictures, too. Cool. Well, again, we're going to have all the links to all this in the show notes. Again, thank you for being on the show. And、uh, we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. Yeah. Can't wait to see you at t b e x this year. 
I love smaller cities like Kamakura. They're close to the more popular destinations like Tokyo, but they have a character that is all their own. I think it'd be really cool to see the Yobasami Samurai Archery Festival and explore the local shrines and temples. Surfers can enjoy the waves of Kamakura all year long, but I really want to visit in the spring to experience the cherry blossoms. When you visit Kamakura, will you try the fluffy pancakes, omo rice, and whitefish? I'm not so sure I'm adventurous enough, but I'm pretty sure my wife is. Send me a tweet at WeTravelThere to share your favorite thing about Kamakura Japan. All the links we talked about today can be found at wetravelthere.com forward slash Kamakura. And you can join the conversation in the We Travel There podcast community on Facebook to ask questions about any of your upcoming destinations. Join us next time as we celebrate our 50th episode. I revisit my favorite insider secrets from our local experts and talk about how you can improve your travel experiences. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you subscribe that way you don't miss any of our upcoming destinations.